Hey listeners, today we will be traveling to El Salvador for the case of Katja Miranda. This is a dark case that somebody told me to explore on Reddit because I ask people on Reddit for good case ideas. Um, and this case really disturbed me. It's really sad and I want to share it because there's so much injustice in it that I think a light needs to be shed on it. So, on April 4th, Katja was found on San Antonio Beach, lifeless. She had 20 family members and workers staying on the beach compound that her family owned for the holidays. So, there was no lack of suspects. So, get your bud, get your wine, and let's dive into this true crime. Hey guys, Rose420 here, and as always, we're going to start this episode by acknowledging my strain of the day. Today's strain is called Private Reserve, and it's a hybrid. Uh, it creates a lot of keef, I will say that, so if you have a grinder, it's nice. It's also a nice chill buzz. It gets a 6 out of 10 leaves from me. And as always, I have an ice-cold glass of Pinot Grigio and water, because I found an issue with podcasting while smoking is cotton mouth. Okay, so now that we've gone over that, let's jump into Katja's case. So, Katja, nine years old at the time, is with her family in La Paz, El Salvador at Antonio Los Blancos Beach, where the family had a property. They were celebrating the Semana Santa holidays And as I stated earlier, there were 20 people there. These people were comprised of paternal family and ranch workers. Two of those workers are the ones who discovered Katya's body. Since there was a a beach nearby, the family begins to speculate that maybe she wandered out of the tent she was staying in with her sister and her father, and she drowned. Once investigators arrived on the scene, They didn't believe that narrative at all. They found it hard to believe a girl described as timid or shy by all of her family members would climb out of a tent, go to a gate, and pass two security guards to then drown. I agree with them at this point. No one saw her. She didn't wake anybody up in the tent, and neither of the guards noticed. That seems too crazy to actually happen, but crazier things have happened, I suppose. But my vowel play alarm bells are going off. Ding, 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 ding. Once the forensic investigator gets there, he not only confirms that Katja didn't die accidentally, he reveals the horrible fact that she has been sexually assaulted and then murdered. Prayers for this poor little girl, guys. Okay, so I'm going to give warning. This next part is gruesome and haunting, but it shows the violence behind the crime, so I'm including it, but just know it's hard to hear. Her genital area was bloody and was visibly hurt, and her face had been held on the sand until she eventually suffocated. They found sand all in her trachea. 
Like I said, it's really rough to hear, especially about a nine-year-old, but important to the case. So now let's get into the drums. People, you know it had to be coming with this case if you listen to my first two episodes. And if you didn't, why not? Go back and do it now. Right now. You could do it now and come back. Back to Katya. So a few of the relatives were high-ranking members of the Army and the National Police. Edmund Miranda, her father, was captain in the military and also served for the president. Katya's uncle was second in charge of the criminal division of investigations. Okay, so keep all that in mind as we continue because it's definitely about who you know. So first, the murder scene was never secured and the forensic lab didn't collect any evidence until a month after the murder. Uh, what? Like, what? I, I've i never worked in a forensic lab, but I know evidence decomposes and stuff. So, like, why didn't they get it? Now my cover-up alarm bells are going off. If her family is connected, why isn't she getting the most airtight investigation ever? This sounds sketchy AF, and I'm judging. I'm judging hard. Okay, so the next way everyone failed Katya trying to solve this case, and I use the word solve extremely lightly, which once we get to the end, you'll understand why. They let the family take Katya's body home with no further investigation, and they let them take her clothes. Like I said, not an investigator, but my many years of watching SVU and First 48 and anything on ID and anything along those lines ever says this is a huge no-no. Like, clearly they are not trying to find a rapist or killer because her clothes and her body is where the DNA and evidence is obviously going to be. So they finally collect her clothes 28 days later. And guess what? To nobody's shock, they've been washed. Why is the family washing the clothes that contain evidence? And why are the police letting them out of, letting the clothes out of their sight for that long? I have no idea, this poor little girl. I'm going to briefly bring up that they put Katya's dad, grandpa, and two workers on trial, but they had absolutely no evidence, so the trial didn't last long. It started in January 2000, and by October, they were exonerated of everything. Finally, sick of the lackluster investigation, both sides of Katya's family decides to hire a private investigator. After this, though, Katya's mom has to leave the country with her other daughter because they're receiving so many death threats because they hired a private investigator. Sketch E. This whole thing just stinks of connections getting people silenced one way or another. Like, what the fuck? So the first theory the investigator came up with is gang members gave the whole family eye drops to make them sleep. That's in quotations. I have no idea what that means. I'm assuming it's something like roofies, but how do you get eye drops into somebody's eyes unwillingly, let alone a whole family? Weird, right? Okay, so back to this theory. I clearly believe and put a lot of stock in. So they did this so they could take her and rape her and kill her. This became a really popular theory and was all over the news in El Salvador, but no suspects were ever brought from it. So theory number two comes from this, what's equivalent to the state's prosecutor's office 
in El Salvador and get ready to puke in your mouth because you're going to want to. Unofficial witnesses state Catch's grandfather treated her like a girlfriend and would kiss her on the lips often. Yep, puking in my mouth right now. After further questioning, the witness backed down, just like everybody else in this case. So, creepy-ass grandpa got retried in 2009 for kidnapping, this time with seven other people who are not specified and neither is the new evidence. But good, I'm happy he's a creepy old man. Unfortunately, that is not the happy ending to the story. They were all released on double jeopardy and Catch's grandpa passed away in 2018. So, unfortunately, no justice has been served for this little girl in this weird, twisted case. My thoughts are the grandfather was being inappropriate and accidentally killed her, and then the family covered it up for him. But how could they do that? As a family, they should want that guy to rot. Katja's case has become a huge example of injustices in El Salvador and hopefully leads to more justice for other little girls who suffer the same fate. This was a very important story for me to bring up because I feel like the ball was just dropped in every which way with this one. It was a short story for me to bring up because there isn't a lot of information, but I feel like it's important to shine a light on it. So I will be doing another episode tomorrow with a new story that's two parts but I wanted to get this episode out because I thought it was important. So like and subscribe to my page as always. And thank you for listening, guys. Love you.